0: Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to episode four of the Pennsylvania Project. As you know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. And to achieve that vision, our mission is to showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing Pennsylvania and to explore their solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. At least that's the goal. We have an excellent show planned for you today. And like all episodes of The Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. You, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we have an email-in format. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com, and we'll be letting you know in advance when we'll be responding to your your communication, so you'll know when to tune in. That's important because you are an integral part of every episode. Today, for the you part, we have a whole bunch of new questions coming in about gerrymandering, about MAGA, reactions to episode two, and a whole lot more. After that, part two is all about them. Each episode, we host a guest to help showcase those political, cultural, and environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Today, we have a political guest. We have Maj Jure, founder of Black Guns Matter and candidate for Philadelphia City Council this year. After that comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project when it's my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and I'll be focusing on one particular issue that really sticks in my craw. Today's issue, gun laws, sort of a segue off of our guest's topic. So that's our show. That's what it's going to look like. So let's get right into that mailbag. And remember, our mission here is not just to complain, but rather to explore solutions. Paul, what do we got?
1: All right, Ken, our first email is from Roy Manette in Mount Joy, Pennsylvania. Uh, Roy writes, I strongly recommend that you make fixing gerrymandering a priority topic. The Pennsylvania Constitution says in Article 2, Section 16, the Commonwealth (laughs) shall be divided into 50 senatorial and 203 representative districts, which will be composed of compact and contiguous territory as nearly equal in population as practicable. Unless, absolutely necessary, no county, city, incorporated town, borough, township, or ward shall be divided in forming either a senatorial or representative district.
0: I tell you, the guy's won my heart already. He's quoting the Constitution (laughs) at me. Pennsylvania Constitution.
1: A procedure which well satisfies all requirements was proposed in 2002 by Warren D. Smith. It's called split line. Split line. The split line procedure very simply divides a state into two sections having the desired populations using the shortest possible line. If more than two districts are needed, the process is repeated as many times as necessary to subdivide one or both of the two sections until the desired number of equal population districts has been drawn. That'd be kind of hard since we haven't. Number of representative districts.
0: I know. You're we're getting ahead of ourselves. What else is, is that? So
1: called unbiased or citizens' commissions are quite problematic and not the best solution.
0: Interesting. I guess there's, there's several things in there. First of all, it comes from Mountjoy. You know, I always spell that. I call it Empty Joy. <laughs> no, it's pretty country out there. Really nice. Well, gerrymandering, as we know, is a huge problem. And it was a big problem in Pennsylvania last year because the districts, congressional districts have been challenged successfully. But what really annoyed me about that, first of all, it's good. I think gerrymandering is bad. And I thought it was great that they were challenged, but it was really bad that the Supreme Court stepped in and said, oh, we're going to draw the lines. Nowhere in the Pennsylvania Constitution does it say that. So yeah, somebody was breaking the law, but they broke the law to try and fix the law. It just, just doesn't work. Now, the split line approach, when you look at that, I mean, I actually sat there and tried to draw some lines on a map of Pennsylvania. And when I got down in Philadelphia area, it was really, really difficult because you're gonna wind up splitting something. And I I don't see how that's going to solve the problem because since you're gonna split something, you gotta move that line. You move it left, you move it right, and there you go, you've got the same net result of gerrymandering. So I'm not sure the split line is gonna be a, a proper solution. But another thing about it, the problem with gerrymandering is it has eliminated moderate candidates. Because what they do is they say, ah, let's put all the liberals here. Let's put all the conservatives here, all type A, type B, whatever it may be. And that way a type A wins or a type B wins. And all the type C, D, E, F, Gs, they don't stand a chance because they've been gerrymandered out of existence. So the problem, yeah, there's definitely a problem with gerrymandering. And I don't, like I said, I don't think the split line is going to be fixing that. But the last thing that, what was his name, Roy? Last thing he said was that citizen commissions are not the answer. Well, why does he say that? What is he going to do? Leave it in the hands of politicians? He's going to let the Supreme Court draw it again? I, I think that's a cure worse than the disease. We should really get some outside influence in there. So that, that's the way I would approach it. I would come up with some out, outside people, and maybe his uh, split line guy there can get into it. But I don't, I don't see how it could be done except automatically by computer program.
1: All right. Our next email is from Zach from Delco. Uh, He's got a very interesting question. What do you think about MAGA?
0: (laughs) I don't think about MAGA. (laughs) It's that simple. I'm stealing a line here from Ayn Rand's Fountainhead. Howard Howard Work was approached by his arch enemy and said, you can say what you think about me. And Work looked at him and said, but I don't think about you. And it's true. I I don't pay attention to national things. That's why I'm sitting here with the Pennsylvania show. It's much easier to understand. And Mr. Trump, like all presidents, he's done good things. He's done bad things. He he does random things. One thing that I do think he's getting a bad shake in the press, and I mentioned this, I guess it was back in episode one when I was railing against talk radio of all things, about how the Washington Post cast him in the worst possible light by saying that all the State Department senior officials resigned. Washington Post was alone in saying that because all the other news outlets in the world said uh, they were fired. Fired, 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 fired. Only one voice said resigned. So I, in a way, I, I feel sorry for him. I've been targeted by that kind of stuff too. There's this newspaper up in the Lehigh Valley, I won't say their name, who did that to me, interviewed me for an hour, and everything that wound up getting printed was nothing I said. It was all from someplace else. So what do I think about him? I don't. I think, I think your republic will survive. Uh, I don't pay too close attention to national stuff. But thanks for asking, just so I could use my Iron Rand
1: line. Uh, Luke Barbera from Montgomery County has a question uh, referencing back to Episode 2. I've been noticing bridges with large potholes and damage to concrete, and I am concerned about their safety. There's also a bridge in Huntington Valley that has been under construction for over three oh, years. Yeah. And I have never even seen anyone working on it. Is there a plan to repair old bridges? And is there a way to efficiently complete these projects in a timely fashion? These repairs tend to to take impractical amounts of time to complete. Yep.
0: Well, a couple things I can say about that. First of all, I know the bridge you're talking about. It's the Fetter's Mill Bridge. It's over the Pennypack Creek. And, you know, that was on my commute to my largest client until they closed it. I guess it was about, yeah, two, three years ago it's been gone. And it even got worse because they were rebuilding the Philmont Avenue Bridge. But the question is, what do we do about it? Now, why is it closed? I don't know. I've actually looked into it, and I looked at it when they first closed it. I looked at it recently, and I just don't know why. I don't know why it's closed. Now, as to what it would take to fix it, obviously, it's going to take some money to fix it. And since it's a – I believe it's a state road. It may be a Bryn Athen Road. I believe it's a state road. But if it's a state road, then it gets paid through the gas money, gas tax. Unfortunately, and I mentioned this back in Episode 2, as you mentioned there, that the gas tax is not being used for the roads. I have here with me my Pennsylvania Constitution. Article 8, Section 11 says that the gas tax shall be used solely for the construction, reconstruction, maintenance, and repair of public highways and bridges and costs and expenses incident there too. But they use it for all sorts of other things. For example, SEPTA, Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority, buses, trains, subways, they get money from it. Other programs get money from it. And the last number I saw looks like about half of the money winds up getting put into projects other than the maintenance, construction, et cetera, of the bridges. So if we follow the Constitution, surprise, if we follow the law then we wouldn't be in the situation we'd be in now. We'd have more money to do it, more money to get it done. And I wouldn't lay all the blame at PennDOT's door because a lot of the repairs are being done by private organizations. They bid on it, and they win the contract, and they go off and they do it. I know there's a bridge in Jenkintown that wound up, it was a private contractor, and they were running late, so they they replaced them. I guess it was in Abington, just outside of Jenkintown. But they wound up replacing them. That's what we should do. They should have... Some sort of standard time frame. And if they're outside the time frame, they're going to lose money. And if they do it once, well, we just don't let them bid again for a year or two. Some kind of punishment for it. That's what we should be doing. I don't want to see that bridge up. It's a beautiful little bridge, too.
1: David from Newtown uh, writes, he's responding to one of your recent sticks in your craw. <laughs> I disagree with your plan to eliminate stop signs and speed limit signs. Huh. The law is the law, and people should obey them. The solution is that police should write more tickets. (laughs) And if you eliminate driver's licensing, what would stop a kid from driving?
0: Well, let's take those one at a time. I don't know why he would disagree with my plan to replace stop signs and put up yield signs instead. Because who stops at a stop sign? I even asked a cop that once. He says, oh, maybe 30%. And I just look at him and says, who are you kidding? He says, well, at least that's while I'm watching. So we're already doing that. Why are we criminalizing routine behavior? And it's the same thing when it comes to to the speed limit signs. My suggestion back in episode two, way, way back in episode two, was to change the wording on it to make it say "safe speed" not "speed limit," because I drive up I ninety five in, up into Princeton every day. That's my normal commute, and people are doing seventy five, eighty miles an hour. Science is fifty five. The only time we're doing 55 is if there's a cop sitting in the median at Yardley. And then we all slow down, do 55 for maybe a quarter mile, and then back up again. Well, I disagree with him because I don't think we should criminalize our routine behavior. We should, whatever it is that we do, we should make the law match what we're doing. And what did he say? Oh, about letting kids drive? Yeah, yeah I was going to get, I'd like to get rid of driver's licenses. Instead, turn it around the other way. If you're a safe driver, there's no reason why we should force you to purchase, to have the license. Instead, if you're a crummy driver, we would give you a can't-drive license. And if we catch you driving, we throw you in jail for a couple of days. We catch you twice, it's longer in jail than that. You'll get the message soon enough. And these, we could use can't licenses not only for driver's licenses, but also beyond that for people who drink too much. You get a can't-drink license. For polluters, you get a can't-frack license. And as for children, if a child is driving the car and they're doing it poorly, they may get a can't-drive license that's going to last until they hit puberty or until they hit 18 or something like that. Whatever the judge feels is necessary is part of their sentence. So I disagree with, with David, and I think that we should not criminalize our own behavior, and I, I believe that we should err on the side of freedom.
1: All right. And Larry Frey from way out in Bradford County. Hey, yeah. He wanted to let you know how much he enjoyed the first episode and wanted to thank our executive producer, Mark, for sending (laughs) him over the link. Uh, A point you made concerning parents picking schools struck me. As a child, I attended the Sullivan County Schools in LaPorte, Pennsylvania. I lived in Shunk at the time, a good 45-minute to hour-long school bus ride each way. Canton in Bradford County had a public school about a half an hour away. However, I lived in Sullivan County, so I went to LaPorte. Nearby Ellington in Lycoming County was part of the Canton School District. It could have been easy for that bus to loop through Shunk on the way to and from Canton. This ends the not-a-call-in-show-verbose part of my email. (laughs) A possible topic, could you address recent gun control legislation in Harrisburg and Governor Tom Wolfe's call for tougher Pennsylvania gun laws? Mm -hmm. Looking forward to the next episode.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Larry, for that. Let me do that backward. First of all, my rant today is going to be about gun laws. 'cause gun laws really stick in my craw. So I'll answer that one a little bit later on. But let's come back to your education thing. The problem with education in Pennsylvania is it's one size fits none. It's just overregulated, it's crazy the sorts of things that they do. I was asked once to consider running for school board, but boy, oh boy, you're you're caught between a rock and a rock and a rock and a rock and a hard place. And you have very, very little that you can do or say as in the school boards. But what happens with that is that you come up with really silly stuff. And Larry, what you're saying there, that's, that's definitely silly. If you're close to one school and not the other, that's because they have school districts and they have all these laws which prevent you from crossing school district lines. And if you do try to do it, the incredible amount of red tape is crazy. Now, I remember when I was running for governor that they had introduced a law which is going to criminalize a parent or parents if they sent their kid to a school other than the one in their own neighborhood. I mean, what a bummer. Turning parents into a criminal just because they want something better for their kids? What we need, and I've said this before, is to allow parents to choose any government school for their child. And the funding would have gone to the local school, will follow the the child to the school of the parent's choice. That way, Larry, you wouldn't have to go 45 minutes to get to school. You may only have to go five minutes. But better yet, good schools would get more students, more funding, and they would grow. And the bad schools would get less funding and fewer students, and they'd be shut down. And eventually, the if they do get shut down, then the good school can actually go in and take over the bad school. So for the same educational dollar, we could improve education. So that's what I would do. I would bring parents into the equation, let them choose any government school for their child. That's what the real answer should be, not this one-size-fits-none dictated by an unelected Board of Education in Harrisburg.
1: All right. And our last message is from Mark from Montco. This show sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, what show is he putting on that
0: sucks so much? Where, where was he at when he said that? Must be listening to talk radio. I don't know what he's listening to. Certainly it's not us. Well, so much. That, that'll do it for the you portion of the show today. That was really some good stuff. I like that kind of question. If you want to get a question in, please stop by our website at pennsylvaniaproject.com. There's a cute little form there that you could fill out. And let us know. And we'll always let you know in advance when your answer is going to be read on the air so that you know when to listen. But you're always listening anyway. So that'll do it. And we'll be right back in a minute after we hear this information.
2: Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel Atlas Snugged, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. The
1: following is a commercial announcement. Hey Paul, how's it going? Uh, could be better. Why? What's the matter? I found a great job. I just can't take it. Why not? They want me to go 1099. So? So, what about all the taxes? Federal taxes, state taxes, this tax, that tax? I have better things to do than figuring out the tax laws and filling out all those forms. I'm a libertarian, remember? Well, then what you need is Amendment 16. Hey, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, 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 no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service.
0: They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them. And when your client pays them, they pay you. Minus all required taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I I mean, April 15th. (laughs) And they take care of all the taxes, all the forms. Yep. Yep. And they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Sounds perfect. Where do I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment com. One call does it all.
1: Back to you, Ken.
0: Thank you very much, Paul. Hey, Ken Crawchuk here, and welcome to the showcase portion of Episode 4 of the Pennsylvania Project. My guest today, a very special guest, Maj Touré, founder of Black Guns Matter, candidate for the Philadelphia City Council. He's also a local guy. He's raised in North Philly? Absolutely. Welcome to the <coughs> show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Where in North Philly? Because I'm from North Philly.
3: 26, well, at the time it was Columbia, but it's Cecil be more now.
0: Uh-huh. Okay, you're a little further south of me. I was at Front and Rising Suns, okay, south okay. of the boulevard. Yeah.
3: Yep. I was in Feltonville. Yeah, you over there not too far from where, where like that creek was. Yeah. Yep. Tacony Creek. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, the creek, as yep. <laughs> we called it back then, our
0: dynamite Philadelphia accent. Yeah. Well, You're doing really good for a Philly boy, man. You've been traveling all over the country, Listen,
3: like almost to the point where it's like I don't want to see another plane <laughs> for a very long time. But blue, yeah, blue gloves and all that. Oh man, oh man. Take your shoes off, put your shoes on. <laughs> Why? Where you been? Uh, so I got back from California. We did two classes uh, in Compton and Inglewood uh, Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Stayed there Sunday. Flew back nighttime. Came back to Philly five in the morning. Um, so oh, we've man. been in, in the last few weeks. I've been to Seattle, Washington, Baltimore, DC, Virginia, uh, Cali, uh, and my apologies to anybody that I can't remember <laughs> the state because all of this, it starts to blend. I know together, yeah. As Billy Joel says, it all becomes the same. Yep, yep. Now you say classes, but you're,
0: you're a classy guy, or what? Well,
3: no, not at all. Um, <laughs> 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 um, actually, we we do uh, firearm safety, conflict resolution and uh, de-escalation classes. Uh-huh. Uh, we just, for 2019, organization's called Black Guns Matter. For 2019, we added, last year we did about 50 events. This year, we was, I was like, nah, we're not doing 50. So we cut it in half to about 25, and uh, we're doing, we added political education to that as well. Yeah, yeah. What, kind, what do
0: you mean by political education? Well,
3: in urban areas where we usually you know, do most of our classes, civics has been removed from the schools over time. You know, so Uh to to make, you know, whatever race of person, especially if you live in in an urban area, they don't want you to, they, you know, we have done a a horrible job. You're right. We have. Right. Of creating a space where the students and young people are involved in a political process, informed about it from a civic standpoint, and then turning, you know, our young people into solid, well-rounded citizens. Uh Um, so for us, it was like, okay, let's add that in. You come into this class to learn about firearms and safety uh-huh. and conflict resolution and de-escalation. Now, how can we turn that into political power?
0: Well, you know, Well, I think you're doing it right there because when I was running for governor, I got into a lot of schools. That's mm-hmm. probably the, the greatest boon that I had from that race, from mm-hmm. those races. Yeah. And I always ask the same question. I'll start talking about the Pennsylvania Constitution, and I'll say, how many of you have been taught the Pennsylvania Constitution? None And you can hear the crickets Yep And I've had And last school I wouldn't even mention what the school is so I don't want to embarrass the guy The teacher's in the back of the room And he's giving me the, the hand sign Saying come on Move on Move on right. Move on They're not teaching it At all And they wonder why kids don't vote Why kids don't understand that What's going on in the country Why there's so much malaise And everything It's because we are not teaching our kids The the legacy That was right. left to us By the founding fathers The
3: fundamentals And I believe It's, it's not an accident I think it's deliberate Huh I don't know. I'm, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but it's easy to see that it, it could be deliberate. Because it's... Okay, so take, for example, <clears throat> you look at when schools had gun... A lot of older schools have gun ranges in the basement. Yeah. You know, home ex home ec classes. Yep. Workshop, trades. So as as the jobs go, because of outsourcing, right? Now we don't have vocational schools. Now, okay, we're not creating a job. We're, we're not attaching you to the community. Mm-hmm. You know, when we don't... We actually are in a space where we're, you know, it's like, it's almost like deliberate, do not have the people be aware. So for example, if you identify yourself as a Patrick Henry, as a Harriet Tubman, as a, you know, Thomas Paine, as a whoever, right? Yep. When you identify them, it's because you have an understanding of the historical context of what they did, you know, and how how that created where we live. Then you gotta start looking at other things like going, oh wait, so George Washington didn't want a two party system? Mm-hmm. Well, wait. Well, why do we have one? Well, wait. Yep. So these guys didn't want a federal reserve system. Why? Then you have more questions. So I don't. I mean, I'm. I don't think it's even like a theory at this point. I think it's conspiracy in practice. You know, I think there's. You know, if you're deliberately taking bu- money out of certain budgets, especially in certain neighborhoods, you know, we talk about gerrymandering. talk about this. It's like it's not an accident. For me, for for me, it to not be a theory. Uh, it has to be like a a one and done or every so often. When I'm traveling around the country and all of these different places, Chicago, Detroit, Compton, L.A. County in general, Atlanta, all of these urban areas where there's, it's not even about race at a certain point. It's a huge pocket of populations. Yeah. New York, eight and a half million people. Yeah. Now, when I go to hang out with my suburban homies, my rural homies, their students, they have a different understanding of this. So it's not, the sun comes up, or quote unquote, comes up every day. It's a highly organized phenomenon. It's not okay. an accident. Yep. That's, when I start seeing this in all of these different places, it now, to me, looks like this is a highly organized phenomenon. It does not seem like an accident to me.
0: Uh-huh. I should ask you, who do you think is behind it?
3: Um, My gut says uh, us, as well as uh, us, because the complacency and it's so easy to have to study. Uh-huh and think and then reevaluate and then philosophize for a minute or if that's a word right so the the you know majority of it falls on us mm-hmm. because it's easier
0: yeah so where did you pick up the your constitutional knowledge and everything
3: uh, so when i was in school i used to get blasted and go down to take tours of uh city hall and uh independence hall and the masonic building just because of the fact that they was down there and nobody from, from my hood ever went down there uh huh so And another thing was I used to go to malls that, no you know, everybody shopped at the gallery, right? Oh, so yeah. I would go to other malls just to see, like, well, what is this mall like? Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So it would be the same thing for that. I would just go to these places. And it's, and at the time, those tours were free. I don't know if they're free now. But I would be like, yo, do y'all know that this is, like, right down the street? Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, yeah, we just don't go there. And I'm like, well, why? You know, and then um, from from all of that and then studying, you know, great – uh. Patriots, freedom fighters from all different backgrounds. It's like they have the same concept of freedom, even with and we all those men and women also had contradictions along with them. You know what I'm saying? And then seeing that, it created a space where I could identify the things that I liked about certain people, and things that I saw. Okay, I don't like this about you know this person. However, I like their their concept on liberty and freedom. I'm gonna chew that vegetable, hold on to the seed because I might have to grow it later. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's in essence what it was. And then I just started drawing those parallels between different people. So uh-huh. when I use a Harriet Tubman as a point of reference, there is nothing more patriotic than what she did. That is liberty. Yes, you know what I'm saying. And then tying that into a Thomas Paine, who was in the middle of the in the middle of slavery, going, "Yeah, no, no, thank you, sorry, guys. Uh-huh. Freedom kind of like is a direct contradiction with like slaves too." So having those people around to pull from, and I just wanted to find more and more of those people and kind of shape them into you know my personal ideology. Uh huh.
0: You know, I gotta do a quick segue uh, or turn here. Mm-hmm. You're you're very well spoken. Mm-hmm. You got the I can hear the fire in your belly. You know what you're talking about and everything like mm-hmm. that. Are you a toastmaster? A toastmaster? Yeah, toastmaster. What is that? Oh, uh, you know, there'll be a commercial later on about toastmaster. Okay, it's an organization that teaches communication
3: and leadership skills. International organization? No, no. I think I saw. I heard a commercial on this. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, uh-huh. All right, so my mind goes to. What you trying to smoke a cigar after this? Yeah, like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so <my mom>
0: went. <laughs> no, I, I got it right here. It's gonna be at the next <laughs> okay, break. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so we'll be able to get to that. No doubt. Okay, so, so there you are. You're going into the in the inner cities mm-hmm. and you're doing these classes mm-hmm. and you're covering the the civic things that are that we have let our school system yep. do to us. Yep. Now you're doing firearms though. Yeah. What's your typical firearm class
3: look like? So, what are you teaching them? So, basically, it's first safety. Uh-huh. So you don't have any idea how many people. Um, well, you may. There's a ton of people that have no information about firearms at all. Uh huh. Right. So we get our information, especially young people, from like television or like video games. Oh yeah, and they always get their finger on the trigger, yep. which is the worst place you can yep. put it. Yep. And so for us, the primary thing is you. You might not because if you're a beginner, you come to our classes, you have to shoot. Um, but, you know, you may not be an expert marksman. Obviously, you're not going to be after one yeah, class. Really. Um, however, but you can be an a, a expert in safety. So we just really yep. drill the, the safety components, making sure that young people, are. Um, you, you know, if you have children, you're securing your firearms in a manner where um, the young people that are not aware of what firearms are actually mm-hmm. afford, and they think it's a game. Until you give them that understanding, they're not gaining access to those firearms. Yep. You just want to click in my estimation
0: because… Every gun class I've ever gone to has always started with safety. Yep. In fact, I went out to Front Sight Firearms Academy out in Nevada, mm-hmm. and we got there like 7 in the morning or something like that, and the mm-hmm. guy pulled in the car next to me. He opened up his trunk, and he pulled out an AR. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, there's three of these instructors on him, right? Mm-hmm. Two of them have his arms, and Thurman has his gun. He says, do you know what you just did? Yes. You just muzzled the whole parking yep. lot. And the guy wasn't even – he just took the gun out, and he just set it down. Ha- he hazardly. He wasn't even thinking. Yep. I'm right there at 7 a.m. I'm not even awake yet. I'm not a morning person, right? And I saw this. I'm like, this is the kind of place I want to see. Exactly. If, if this is rule number one, they're going to almost tackle the guy in the parking lot and yep. say, "Don't do this." And they they took his gun. They said, "You'll get this after the initial training." Yep.
3: Yep. Uh, and that's how it should be. Uh huh. That those those are the the before we get you to the actual firing, you I can teach you how to fight. But the thought process is, can you fight safely, and why are you fighting? There's so many layers that go into a thing before you get to the uh-huh. thing. Now that, that just pick, perked up my ears, why? why? Why are you fighting? Why are you fighting? Why are you in a space where, why, why, are the, why don't we raise $180,000 and give it away for these free classes? You know why? Why is the this this important, especially for urban America? Because of urban America, again, going back to that pockets thing, po- high pockets of population. Uh-huh. If these are the areas that are generally left out of the conversation, you know, that create space for the rest of state bills and laws and things like that, mm-hmm. I think that this is the place that we have to start from first. I'm not sure I heard a why in there.
0: Oh, why? Why, why are we fighting? Oh, what? give me a one sentence answer. Why? Why? Do, what are they fighting for?
3: What, we're fighting because. Tyrants have become very comfortable. Tyrants have become very comfortable with our lack of understanding of uh, the ideals of freedom, our Constitution, and our human rights. Uh Uh-huh. You're not talking about revolution, are you? I mean, well, more solutions. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh.
0: That could be looked at as a solution. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, I see we're going to have to stop and take a break here. Hey, everybody. My name is Ken Krawchalk. You're listening to The Pennsylvania Project, and our guest today is Maj Touré, the founder of Black Guns Matter and a candidate, Libertarian candidate, for Philadelphia City Council. We'll be back in a minute after this information.
1: Do you need a state inspection, emissions testing, tires, brakes, exhaust, suspension work, or routine factory scheduled maintenance? For all your automotive service needs, visit Wallace Auto Service at 700 East Haverford Road in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Wallace Auto even has a Phillips 66 gas station where you can fill up at great low prices. Check out Wallace Auto online at wallaceautoservice.com or call them at 610-658-9000. For over 16 years, Wallace Auto Service has been proud to serve the Bryn Mawr, Haverford area. Stop in, say hello and fill up your tank at Wallace's great low prices. That's Wallace Auto Service and Phillips 66 gas station at 700 East Haverford Road in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Or give them a call at 610-658-9000. Thinking about getting your first tattoo? Maybe you're ready to add to that sleeve you started or cover up that one regretful choice. Put Sam C and his team of artists at Iron Will Tattoo Club in Glenside, Pennsylvania at the top of your list. The team at Iron Will has plenty of designs to choose from. They can create an original design or work with a design that you provide. Call 267-893-7625 today to schedule your free consultation. That's 267 8 rock! or visit them on Instagram at Iron Will Tattoo Club. Hey,
0: Ken Krawchalk here, caster of the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high paying job. At least for some people, it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me. I'm a Toastmaster, and now I have my own radio show. So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact the club nearest you. Visitors are always welcome, and be sure to mention my name. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. Toastmasters.org.
1: Back to you, Ken.
0: Thank you, Paul. Hey, Ken Krachuk here. And we're back with the Pennsylvania Project, Episode 4, and our guest is Maj Touré, founder of Black Guns Matter, Philadelphia City Council candidate on the Libertarian ticket. Yep. And a fellow North Philadelphia, grew up in a row home kind of guy. Yep,
3: yep. So, yep. Cheese steaks. It's all the uh, ketchup. Where's, where are the best cheesesteaks in? Max's. Broad and Erie. You think? Absolutely. Ah. So everybody. So when I go around the country, everybody be like, oh, Gino's, Pats? No. And I'm like, nah, bro. That, I, think, I, I think they have superb marketing. That's true. And because they're so close to the stadiums, uh-huh. everybody that comes from out of town is like, we're in uh, Philly, cheesesteak. Okay, uh-huh. go right here. They got the huge signs and everything, but- yep. Max's is definitely – I'll probably go there tonight to um, watch some playoffs or something uh, like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm I'm up at Rising Sun Pizza on Rising Sun Avenue at Tyson. Yeah. What'd man? you get on yours? I go pizza steaks. Okay. Pizza okay. steak fried onions. Yeah. Just straight all the time. Yep. yep. I used to get garlic bread steaks, but nobody in town makes a garlic bread steak anymore. I haven't heard of that. Oh, there's it's, a it's
1: place all... out in King of Prussia that does a great one. There
0: used to be one out there on – uh, Egypt Road, but they closed down a couple years ago.
1: That's, that's where actually that's your, it is. It's a, it's best. out right at the corner of yeah, Egypt. Right the it's at Afamato's. It's still there yeah. making fantastic garlic bread cheesesteak. Oh.
3: Garlic bread cheesesteak. Oh, I'm on that. Uh, dude. I'm going to take like – oh, so look, I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to take some garlic bread over to the cheesesteak spot and, <laughs> and be like, yo, use this bread. This. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, there you go. It's a little couple – Unpaid testimonials right. there. <laughs> right. That's all right. I want to talk about the campaign a bit. Sure. So first of all, you're running as a libertarian. Yeah. Why libertarian?
3: Um, one, because it'll keep. Uh, so I, I, you know, urban America for the same thing we talked about earlier. Generally, the conversation around liberty is not something that's you know infused anymore in urban America. Mm-hmm. And the two party system. I can't say knowing what I know. You know, I can't. I can't really wholeheartedly, especially with the historical uh, context of, you know, what the Democratic Party has done for urban America. Um, I can't, I can't really, I know too much. I can't plug back into that matrix, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And then I I like the concept of, yo, the non-aggression principle. That's right. I'm going to be in control of me. You're going to be in control of you. You know, we should have less laws because these things are usually like a person with a gun at the end of them. Yes. If you don't comply always and, that way and i think that I, honestly most of urban america relates to that i just think that they don't know what it is mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yep
0: when i was running for governor i just summed it up one sentence mm. you have the right to live your life your way provided you respect others yep it's a golden rule on a political level yep i would ask i go into a, a room full of people i say how many of you believe you have the right to live your own life your own way as long as you respect others everybody every hand in the room would go up and i say hey we're all libertarian, correct? And that was my catchphrase for I a while. I think the
3: Libertarian Party just—we we have like trash PR. <laughs> P, and, and, well, you know, we're we're regular people, and that's part of the problem. Now, let me tell you why. It's yes, it's great. It's like it's like anti-gunners. When freedom people generally are like, "Hey, I'm just going to do my thing. You uh-huh. do your thing." The problem is, there's a group of people that haven't been informed that want your stuff. That's right. So, because we're so yep. like, hey, live and let live, we've been ignoring the like tide rising of people or parties going. We want more and more and more of your liberty. Uh huh. So, because of that, um, the PR and translating what this party is, what other parties are currently doing, and if that change it's cool. But presently, when you when you have people saying that we should tax people up to seventy percent, and these are people that hold That's public crazy. office. Yeah, these are like public servants saying this. When you have public servants saying, you know, Mr. Swalwell saying, I want to buy back guns or ban them outright, you know, okay, ban them with what? With your money or (laughs) taxpayer money? You know what I mean? So when you have all of these things, and I think that being in that space, um, it just gives, you know, me an opportunity to, the slate with the hood is clean. You know, the PR from the Democratic Party has told, you know, people in the hood that the Republican Party are all racist they all like clans members and all of that. I don't have time or energy to fight against that PR nightmare. Uh-huh. That's nice. So for me, it's like, okay, I agree with some of these things. I agree with some of these things. The hood will just, if I make it that the focus, the hood will just actually deal with what my policies and politic is more so than just the party. Uh huh. So for me, it was like, all right, cool. And like that sentence, do you believe that you should be able to live your life the way that you want, provided that you respect others? It's everything. Everybody in the hood is going to deal with that. And then we'll get right back to the actual issues at hand and the things that I'm campaigning on.
0: Mm-hmm. So I was about to ask that question. So what are you campaigning on? How do you take that philosophy and bring it specific?
3: So one, um, I got a lot of friends that sold a lot of weed and they doing a lot of time. Uh, that sucks, man. Yeah. And so it's like, but at the same time, Coca-Cola is right now like buying up patents and <laughs> strains, I know. you know, Glaxo or whoever, whatever, big farm. I'll use that term. Um, are y'all going to let my friends out? They're,
0: well, they're, they're doing it in some places. They just did it in Seattle. Some, right? You were just there in yeah. Seattle.
1: Yeah. So
3: that nationally, that needs to happen. So we're talking about it'll happen. It's it's going to happen. Um, we're talking about spaces where a lot of urban people have been um, of whatever racial background have been targeted, put in jail, given yeah. that scarlet letter of a felon, yeah. for the rest of their life. Can't have the ability to express themselves politically via you know voting. Can't you know lawfully <clears throat> defend their families if need be with a firearm, you know, in that space. It's crazy. All of these things. So these things affect my hood directly. And we would talk to all of these politicians about it on a city, different cities, state, and even national level. Mm-hmm. And they'll do the political thing. They'll do the politician thing. They'll go, yeah, 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 it's right. And then they'll support legislation oh, that's man, in alignment oh, with, you know, restrictions on Americans' freedoms or human rights.
0: Don't we have the right to keep and bear plants? Correct. You know, because I'm the first to admit it. I smoked pot. Mm-hmm. I was in high school in the late sixties, college in the early seventies. You I was, definitely I was smoked pot. Right there and I did some other things too. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I was right there in that drug culture. Yeah. But if I had been caught, my life would have been over. Yep. I wouldn't be sitting here across from you. I wouldn't have had a chance to run for governor. Yep. I've got a successful data processing information technology business. None of that would have happened. Yep. All over possession. Of a plant,
3: and the funny thing is, when you look at the so again, when I want to find out about something, I go to the natural genesis of it. The origin of marijuana prohibition or cannabis prohibition in America is the dude saying, "I believe that <laughs> cannabis makes white women want to sleep with Negro jazz musicians." <laughs> I promise you, that's the the origin of marijuana prohibition. Really? And then that guy wanted to become—I forget really? his name—he wanted to become what came to be the DEA, like the first czar. Uh huh. It's Listen, it's, we, I think at a certain point, we got to just stop lying to people. That's right. And I've said that to people. You know, when they start talking to me about the dangers of marijuana, I just say, The gateway drug. You've been lied to. Right. That's a, you've been lied to. It's just not true. And as a person that smokes cigars. Ah, oh, that's dangerous now. It is dangerous. <laughs> I'm a cigar smoker. We, every year, and it's not a knock on big tobacco. You present a product. If people want to buy it, they buy it. Mm-hmm. As a cigar smoker- that is cancer. Let's not be cl- let's be very clear about it. I'm yep. choosing to do a thing that I could potentially get cancer from. Yeah, but it's your right to it's be st- my right choice.
0: To be, pardon my, my silly, plunging, dumb.
3: Right, it's your right to be stupid if you right. want to, because it's my body. Yep. And okay, but that one's lawful. Yeah, that's right. Because they say it's okay. That one's okay, but this one's not. Whoa. So all of these things that that's one of the platforms for for me. Um, I want criminal justice reform. Marijuana decriminalization and legalization, and I really, really want to take a, a shot at this education component in our schools. I don't, oh, you were talking about good, gerrymandering. Good and it's luck, like, man. You're, yeah, you're
0: going to be a cog in the machine when yeah. it comes to education because it's all done at the state level Yeah, but you're going to have an impact on criminal justice because yeah. this is something I talked about in the, during the governor campaign mm-hmm. is that our criminal justice system is plain flat out racist it is for every one white guy who goes to jail for, for <laughs> drugs for example you're going to have six, eight, ten yep. people of color who are put in jail
3: now here's the contradiction to that because I'll hear that and they'll go well you know you guys are just selling and using drugs as ex- <laughs> and then people will do the studies is like actually no people are selling and using drugs at, at equal same levels. rate, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Same thing with the opioids, right? And it's like, oh, well, you guys, and it's like, stop it, because if that's the case, then if we're only 13 percent of the population, this should be nowhere near that's right. the thing. That's right. So it's just so many levels of contradiction that, for me, like I said, like we were talking about, I'm not a politician. I'm just a dude from North Philly that sees some of the falsehoods. That's like, yeah, I can fix that. Mm-hmm. It's not as complicated. As they would have us believe that That's it is, great. and you know, when I was running for
0: governor, one of the things I was saying my first day in office, when I get in there, I was going to pardon all nonviolent drug offenders. Mm-hmm. So if you were just kicking back, smoking a joint, watching The Simpsons, you'd have a get out of jail free card, right? Overnight, we could end this insane war on drugs from the governor's office. Right. Now, I don't know why Governor Wolf doesn't do that. It's just
3: it's a no brainer. I think the reason being is because, um, you know, sometimes you make a mistake, right? It takes a lot of like guts to then go, oh, man, I was so wrong here, and then make a joke about it and be like, oh, we messed that up. Uh. It's like gun-free zones. 1991, Joe Biden creates them, you know, President Clinton gets them in the office, right? Since then, over 90% of mass shootings have been in gun-free zones. <laughs> At a certain point, we got to go, hey, guys, we thought this was going to be the thing. It's not the it, thing. It's called a disarmed victim zone. Right. And so then it becomes, when are you going to just be honest with yourself about this thing and then move forward and try something that is actually a solution? Yep.
0: Well, you know, we're, we're running short on time here. There's a dozen things I still wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. how are you going to get on the ballot? The fact that we libertarians are at a disadvantage because yeah. they said so. It's yep. another one of them. Yep. And that's definitely a conspiracy. For I've, sure. I have faced that one. Yeah. But— Last thing, you want to get in a website or something like that.
3: Yeah, um, anyone that you know fills what we doing. If you just want a regular, you know, dude to like be there to you know express things, please we need support on both levels. So we have to keep these separate. The campaign is Maj the Number Four phillycom and that's for the, you know the city council run and for the classes. We we have we ask everyone to pay that forward. We have a GoFundMe for that, GoFundMe.com forward slash Black Guns Matter. And if you guys can make some donations, some retweets, some posts, that will be dope. I'll make sure we get that up on our website. For sure.
0: Maj, we're behind you 1,000%. Not thank just you. because you're libertarian, because you're doing what's right. Thank you. Doesn't thank get you. better than that. For sure. Well, that's going to wrap it up right now for the them portion of the show. I'd like to thank again my guest. You rock. Maj Touré, thanks for appearing on the Pennsylvania Project. My name is Ken Krawchuk, your caster, and we're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'm going to rant about something that really sticks in my craw, right along the same lines, gun laws. Yep. We'll be right back.
1: Cool. You've been a registered libertarian for years, voted for libertarians even longer, and lived by libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and join the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the march toward liberty in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. And like Maj Torre, consider running for local political office yourself. It all starts with joining the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only costs $20 a year. So visit lppa.org to sign up today. That's lppa.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting. Are you arranging your finances in the most efficient way possible? Call Freedom Financial Tax at 866-401-1090 today to find out. At Freedom Financial Tax, we use creative tax solutions like infinite banking to make sure you're keeping as much of your hard-earned money as possible. Let Freedom Financial Tax help you out with a comprehensive tax plan. Call Freedom Financial Tax now at 866-401-1090. Are you a small business owner? Always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all inclusive system that will help you generate an extra five to ten customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at StephenWorley.com. That's Stephen with dot Y.com. Back to you, Ken. Thank you
0: again, Paul. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here. Pennsylvania Project, and welcome to the ranting portion, the me portion of episode four. You know what really sticks in my craw? Gun laws. All the gun laws. The gun bans, the magazine bans, the right to carry laws, the carry permits, the stand-your-ground laws, the gun-free school zones. All of that stuff. And it's like the abortion debate that I spoke about in episode three. People only have their entrenched arguments. They're not focusing on what the goal should be. It's a classic case of trying to solve a problem correctly, but not solving the correct problem. That's what they're doing. But what is the problem to solve when it comes to guns? I mean, anything in general. What's the goal? To my mind, the main thing we should be aiming for is to save lives, period. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of hearing about dead children on the 6 o'clock news. That's the goal. Saving lives. But the million-dollar question is, how do we do it? Well, let's look at guns from, I want to look at them from three different points of view. Compassionately, logically, and legally. So let's start with one, compassionately. How do we save the most lives? John Lott is a researcher at the University of Chicago, and he did a nationwide, county-level study of gun violence. And he found out something that we knew, geez, back from the 70s, that if a woman resists an attacker, she's twice as likely to be seriously injured. But what he found is if she resists with a handgun, she's half as likely to be seriously injured. And from that, I draw the obvious conclusion. Handguns are a girl's best friend. He also found out some other things, too. He found that places with the strongest gun control had the highest rate of gun crime. And He summed that up in three words. Gun control
2: kills.
0: So we're going to be compassionate if we want to reduce the number of injured women, if you want to reduce the number of people being killed, then we need to do something about these gun laws. Reduce, Allow more access to guns. So that's a compassionate point of view. Let's look at it logically. Are guns the right thing to ban? I mean, there are some people being shot with guns, but should we banning guns? Well, if you look at it, most of these gun deaths are caused by white male teenagers. Should we ban white male teenagers? Again, that's a classic example of solving the wrong problem. A musician friend of mine says, he has this analogy he uses, God is love, love is blind, Stevie Wonder is blind, therefore Stevie Wonder is God. Now, I'm a big Stevie Wonder fan, but you know his, his logic there is a little bit flawed. <coughs> it's also the question... Again, looking logically, look at, look at the statistics, not just what John Lott was talking about. Northeastern University up in Boston did a study, and they found that mass gun deaths are one quarter what they were in the 90s. So over the last 20 years, gun deaths are 25% of what they were before. You wouldn't know that to look at the media, though. Got to remember, they are out to sell commercials. They're out to sell banner ads. They're out for their own profit reasons. They're trying to scare you. Look behind the, the man behind the curtain there and find out that he's all just smoking mirrors. But the best one, the best set of statistics I've seen lately came from our President Obama. He commissioned the CDC to look into gun violence. And I remember when it first started because the gun lobby went nuts. They said, well, you can't do that. That's the Center for Disease Control. Gun ownership is not a disease. He said, no, no, we're going to do this and we're going to do this right so they spent millions and millions of dollars and the CDC came back with, I have here four main conclusions. They found no evidence that these feel-good gun restrictions reduce gun violence. They found no evidence that the passage of right-to-carry laws decreased or increased violent crime. They found that gun turn-in programs are ineffective. And they also found if you want to defend yourself, A gun is the best choice because guns are used defensively much, much more frequently than they're used offensively. So there you go. Even the liberal government under a liberal president comes back and says, all these feel-good laws, they're counterproductive. There's no evidence they do any good. So that's the logical side. We looked at the compassionate side. The one that's left is the legal side. And I have here in front of me, I never leave home without it, the Pennsylvania Constitution. Article 1, Section 21, quote, The right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Shall not be questioned. Do you have any question what that means? I don't. Why do the other people question that all the time? I ran against Ed Vandell for governor back in 2002. And I was on national stage with the man. And we were allowed to ask one question or a question of each of our opponents. And I asked Ed Rendell. I said, Ed, you're calling for one-a-month gun purchases, but the Pennsylvania Constitution says the right to bear arms shall not be questioned. I want to know, which one are you going to betray? Your oath to the Constitution or your friends in the gun lobby? He smiled at the camera. He said, I believe in reasonable gun restrictions. it just... Plain, flat out, open with their agenda. Yep, we're going to break the law. Good grief. So what do we do? What do we do? We looked at the compassionate reasons why we should support gun ownership. We looked at logical reasons why we should support gun ownership. And, of course, there's the legal constitution reason why we should support gun ownership. Well, I want to touch on three things. Number one, you got to realize you cannot stop all gun violence, just like you cannot stop all car accidents. Just like in the Bible, it says, the poor you shall always have with you. It's never going to be a utopia. And if you're looking for a utopia, I think you're in the wrong planet. Things like background checks. I don't trust background checks. There's two reasons why. Number one, either they're too shallow and they miss the guilty, or they're too just plain flat out incorrect and they persecute the innocent. Background checks are another feel-good that really are misused. Second thing I want to do, what I would like to do is stop the idiots. I'm not going to mince words. There are idiots with guns out there. So what I'd like to do, instead of having all these feel-good gun laws, I'd like to eliminate them all, every single one of them. The carry permits I gave the list in the beginning, the magazine bans, the gun-free school zones, or as we were talking earlier today, the victim zones. Instead, if you're being – I'm going to allow you. I'm not going to question your right. It's not up to me to allow you. I'm not going to question your right to bear arms. But if you're an idiot with a gun, we're going to bring you before a judge. And by conviction of your jury of your peers, they're going to say, yep, you're an idiot with a gun. And your sentence will be not that you're got going to take away your carry permit or anything like that. They're going to give you its opposite. They're going to give you a can't carry permit. And if we catch you with a gun – we throw your butt in jail. If you catch with a gun again, it's even longer. Now, the can't-carry permit, it only lasts so long. It doesn't have to be forever. It could be six months, a year, and it would be for anybody. You know, the, the guy who leaves the gun unlocked, laying around the house, and the two-year-old sits around playing with it and accidentally shoots himself or somebody else? Idiot with a gun, I call that. Can't-carry permits. And that way, you're not persecuting the innocent. You're only persecuting the, the guilty. And third way I would approach it is chains of custody. They do this with drug tests and things like that. If you're going to buy a gun or sell a gun, two people sign a piece of paper, it would be best to get it notarized saying that I am not victim – excuse me, I am not subject to a can't carry permit, can't carry license. That way we've got the chain of command there, and if somebody's got a gun, you know where it came from, and that way the seller is not going to be held in contempt. So, they're the three things. Can't stop the gun violence, so we want to stop the idiots, and we're going to have chains of custody for any transfers. To sum it up, right to bear arms shall not be questioned. Handguns are a girl's best friend, and gun control kills. That is how we're gunning for a solution. So, I think that's going to just about wrap it up for here for the episode four of the Pennsylvania Project. If you have something to say, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at our website, pennsylvaniaproject.com. There's a cute little form there you can fill out. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting at 860 AM in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and podcast at pennsylvaniaproject.com. Our technical producer today is Paul Nicotera, webmaster Stephen Worley, marketing guru Connor Dragotis, keyboard wizard Joe the Pag, executive producer Mark Bizzacco, and me, your caster, Ken Crawchuk. Thanks for joining us, and remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem.